Could the Oklahoma Sooners end up with Florida as a permanent rival? One writer suggests it. We'll talk about it on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. That's fanduel.com slash locked on today. Again, make every moment more. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can hear him Monday through Friday. From 9 to noon on 94.7, the ref and Norman and Josh, with the SEC move officially happening in 2024, we're getting a whole lot more buzz on what the scheduling structure could look like for the SEC. Now, the powers that be will be meeting again come March to try and iron it all out, hammer it all down. But Andy Staples over at The Athletic, Josh, wrote a piece trying to figure this all out. I did it sometime last early fall, late summer, and man, it's a chore. But the thing that he really interestingly put together was you got Oklahoma and Texas, Oklahoma and Missouri, and then Oklahoma and Florida? Well, I don't hate it, but I don't understand it, I guess is probably my best reaction to it. You know, in terms of somebody you're going to see every year, Florida would be fun. Florida would be fun for Oklahoma. It wasn't even really on my radar of possibilities, though. Uh, you know, I, I, if you had to go down the, the the most obvious to me, of course, Texas, we know, is definitely going to be there. There's no way the SEC's given that annual rivalry up. They, that game's getting played. So that's that's one out of three that you knows knows in there. Missouri, of course, reuniting with uh, the Tigers and because of the Big 8 history, it, it's that's an obvious obvious hoop to jump through, right? Uh, and then Arkansas, because of the neighboring state factor, makes so much sense for Oklahoma. Beyond that, you know, LSU's not, honestly, like, like you know, A&M, of course, uh, similar to Missouri, the reuniting factor there, that would be next. And then, then you know, LSU's kind of relatively regionally close, believe it or not, right? You start thinking about some of the other teams in the SEC, so that would make sense. There's the history of the national championship game between the two, so as I told you the other day, John, to me, that would be Oklahoma LSU would be a natural rivalry pretty quickly, even though, again, I don't think it would be at the very top of, I guess, my power rankings, my depth chart of most likely that we would see in terms of Oklahoma's permanence. But then from that, I mean, man, I've got Alabama. I've got some other schools that would have been in front of Florida in my mind just because of the distance factor, the regionality to it. I, it's not there. And yet, uh, I can't say that I hate it. I'm just surprised by it. I, I don't see it as very likely. Uh, am I missing something here? No. And and you know, to Andy Stable's credit, I mean, it's a it's an ordeal. It's an undertaking to try and hammer all this out. But it doesn't really offer much rationale beyond well, Florida's got an open spot left, so let's put Florida and Oklahoma together. Let's just make that happen. And and I get it. you got to put teams together, and somebody's going to end up with something that maybe they don't like, and probably everybody will end up with something they don't necessarily love. 
but that's just the way scheduling goes. You're not going to always have a perfect schedule and that's okay. The benefit of what is going to happen in the sec is you're going to get to see everybody eventually. And that means you will get to see Florida, whether they're a permanent rival or just part of the sec rotation. The thing that's intriguing is you go back to, you know, the Tim Tebow, San Bradford, you know, national championship game. And I think there's a little bit of history there. Uh, you know, the, the Bob Stoops factor, having coached it at Florida and being a part of their national championship winning teams. So there's a little bit of connection there, but it's still kind of loosely connected. It, but it is one of those games where you look at it on the surface and you think the only way we would have gotten this game in the past is if it was a national championship game. You know, whether it was kind of in the Orange Bowl or, or whatever the tie-ins were back then, that would have been the only way that you would have gotten Oklahoma and Florida is in this big time premier bowl. And so kind of so there is something kind of cool to the idea that you're going to get to create and establish a really strong rivalry with a really strong brand in the Florida Gators. Somebody else, you know, I saw people mention it on Twitter and it, I think it's, it, it holds water and that, Hey, you get a game in Gainesville every other year that you can invite recruits to, to see what Oklahoma football is about on the road. And we know Oklahoma wants to recruit in the state of Florida. They, they did yeoman's work in the 2023 cycle, just hammering out Florida and they want to continue to be a, a strong presence in the Southeast. So that makes a lot of sense from an Oklahoma perspective. I think from Florida's perspective, I mean, it's a strong brand coming to your, your building. And we know Gainesville is a great place to watch a college football game. They have some of the best environments in all of college football. And so Oklahoma going to Gainesville on a Saturday afternoon in the fall, like aside from the humidity, it's going to be a fantastic environment and one that ESPN will be lining up to put college game day in because of the environment and, and the magnitude of that matchup the first time it happens in Gainesville. Does it make the most sense? Not necessarily. I'm with you. I think there's probably a, a lot more team. Like I could, you could rattle off Arkansas, AM, LSU, just for the, yeah, just the regional focus. You know, Oklahoma fans, LSU fans don't really seem to have a whole, whole lot of love lost. Uh, and then to me, it's it just makes so much more sense to have Oklahoma and Arkansas connected because of the, the close proximity. I mean, they're less than four hours apart. That's closer than Oklahoma and Texas. That's closer than Norman and Austin. Like Norman to Fayetteville is just under four hours. Norman to Austin's closer to like six. So it, it just makes sense to me. And I think there's so many things that can happen. You can do so many great things with that. If you want to make it, you know, another neutral site game every, every so often down there at Jerry world, um, I mean, that could be another fantastic environment, but even as a home and home, it, it would be tremendous because I mean, there's so many Arkansas fans in Oklahoma as it is. So they'll travel. Well, Oklahoma fans will travel really easily to Norman. I mean, that's that, or sorry, not to Norman to Fayetteville. Like to me, for me, that's an hour and a half away. So I can get to Fayetteville. No problem. And I think for a lot of Oklahoma fans, that's kind of what they're hoping for is like, Hey, that's an easy road trip for me to make at the same time. That Florida road trip does kind of sound like a lot of fun. Well, and I think you and others have hit on what one of the positives would be, the recruiting angle to it. You can swing it into a positive if you want to, right? I mean, getting to play down there, getting a guaranteed game in Gainesville, you know, every other year from that standpoint, when that's turning into one of the, you know, just the whole Southeast portion of the United States in general, Florida, the up the coast to the Carolinas. I mean, that's something that this staff, they really have emphasized on a recruiting uh, from a recruiting standpoint. So you could, you could talk yourself into the positives of it. Again, I still view it as highly, highly unlikely 
though. Uh, I mean, if it does wind up being the, being the case for Oklahoma, that is, that is one of the positives. Again, I, I've said it, I don't know how many times, John, but to me, the SEC is really, really, really missing the mark on a potential rivalry if there's no Oklahoma-Arkansas as as each other's permanent rivals. So, you know, I've uh, I, I've talked about that a lot, John, and for a lot of the reasons that you said. So to me, I just think it'd be a big mistake if that's not one of the three for Oklahoma. So one thing, you know, Staples puts together, you know, so he throws Arkansas together with Missouri – which could make sense. Again, it's a border, you know, a border potential rivalry, Texas Southwest conference ties, and then also Texas A&M again, ties to the Southwest conference. Uh, you know, I don't love it for, for Arkansas, Texas A&M. I don't feel like there's as much there uh, as much meat there that could be had by the sec as could be had by Oklahoma, Arkansas. Uh, but I understand that. I mean, you're going to have a little bit more difficult of time getting dance partners for the Aggies outside of Texas. I think you get, give them, Texas, give them LSU. And then what do you do after that? Maybe one of the Mississippi schools that can make a lot of sense if you're trying to keep the travel down a little bit. Um, but then it's, it's a little bit of a grab bag. And so that's kind of where you can kind of understand where Andy Staples is coming from. Like, okay, if it's going to be, you know, Arkansas getting A&M, Texas and Missouri, then, okay. It leaves Oklahoma with what, what do you do then? And then if Florida is kind of the, the next best option that I'm down. Like I'm, I'm for it. I think it's a, I think it could be a lot of fun. Uh, will it be a tough matchup? A hundred percent, but so are, so would Arkansas. So would A&M. So would anybody really in the sec outside of Vanderbilt. Uh, and so again, I, I would, I would prefer it be Arkansas if you're talking about Oklahoma's permanent rivals, but if it were to end up being Florida, I wouldn't be sad about it at all. Yeah. And I think, I think that's kind of where I'm at too. Again, I just look at this thing and say, it just doesn't make much sense. Uh, you know, there's got to be a more sensical option to it. But, hey, I'm throwing my hands up and saying if it happens, great. And the recruiting angle to it, sure. I've uh, I've been pretty, I think, outspoken that to me. I'm not particularly fired up about the prospects of having Missouri every single year again. I mean, to me, give me Arkansas or A&M or LSU instead. But it sounds like, you know, just reading the tea leaves out there, that Oklahoma, Missouri, I, I better just buckle up. That's almost sounds like a foregone conclusion that that's going to be one of the three for Oklahoma. And who knows how this is going to end up landing. I mean, they could end up going back to the pod system, which we feel like it had been kind of tossed out there and then quickly dismissed. Uh, they might go with a whole different, a two, seven schedule, a one, eight, who knows how this all ends up playing out, but we'll continue to track that and follow it as the sec decides that. But speaking of some interesting things for the future, the Oklahoma Sooners were ranked fairly highly in ESPN's uh, SP plus rankings for the 2023 season. Those projections came out uh, from Bill Connolly yesterday. And we'll talk about those after Josh talks to y'all about fan duel. Fan duel sports book. We are fired up to have this partnership. New customers. You join today. Get started with just your first $5 bet, win or lose, and you're getting $150 in free bets guaranteed, again, when you place that first $5 bet. So sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Your football season, obviously, is in the books with the Super Bowl behind us in Kansas City, top in Philadelphia. Futures not going to be too far away, I wouldn't think, on the, the football side. Should be able to, to get uh, – get into some of that here shortly, I would imagine. And then beyond that, the NBA, now it's time to turn our attention, right? We're full swing there. The, the NHL, you know, believe it or not, 
talking about the football playoffs being behind us. We're not too far away from the NBA and NHL playoffs. I know that it's a, it's a little way off on the, the horizon here, but it's not too far away. So jump in. They've got their all-in-one app that's super safe, super secure, and super easy to use. So uh, again, sports fans don't miss out. FanDuel.com slash locked on. First $5 bet, you're getting $150 in free bets. Win or lose, guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the National Football League and our partner right here on the Locked On Network. So, Josh, Bill Connolly's SB Plus rankings came out. We talked about the returning production rankings that uh, he had several weeks ago, and the Oklahoma Sooners did not rate very well in that on that one. They were back in the 80s, if I remember correctly, just off the top of my head. And um, but big but the Oklahoma Sooners end up stacking up pretty well compared to the Big 12. Um, they come in at number uh, two amongst all Big 12 teams. They were number sorry, I'm finding it real quickly here. Seven 14 in the nation in the SB plus rating. And here's what goes into that projection. He looks at returning production, which we just talked about uh, recent recruiting and recent history. And so Josh, as I look at this Oklahoma being ranked number 14 in the country in the SB plus rating, again, it's a projection based on a model that he's created um, for the first time this year, he's including the transfer acquisitions for each team into that model. And I think that's where Oklahoma is being viewed so favorably. Yeah. I mean, obviously we've, uh, we've seen Oklahoma really clean up out of the transfer portal. I'm so fired up, man, to just see what Deshaun McCullough and Ford and on and on and on and on. Uh, You know, I'm so excited to see what all of these additions mean for Oklahoma. Obviously the, the receiver, Andrew Anthony, from Michigan, I think could be a big difference maker. So Oklahoma's went and got in, you know, Andrew Anthony's probably not even the best example there. I mean, McCullough, Ford, uh, Devon Sears, some of these other guys that have started, played, and produced are, are better examples of Oklahoma. John went and got proven commodities out of the transfer portal. And so because of that, you combine with what Oklahoma has, which, you know, SP plus standpoint, John, it's kind of like that Dylan Gabriel's back, it, you know, I mean, as much as people want to, you know, stomp and gripe and I'm, you know, look, we've done this song and dance before. I think more fans than not understand, okay, you could do a lot worse than Dylan Gabriel. You see maybe the, the most elite quarterback. Okay. There's room for discussion there, but guess what? SP plus looks at that and says, okay, that's a lot of returning production at one of the most important positions. So I think it's just a f- reflection of all of those things. It really is. And the thing that intrigues me is, you know, their offense was rated pretty highly uh, in the SP plus rankings, you know, as a, like overall, you know, they were number 14 in the country, their offense SP plus ranking was number nine in the country. And so, yes, while you, I mean, they did lose a lot of production. Marvin Mims is gone. Eric Gray is gone. Braden Willis is gone, but you are bringing back Jalil Farouk. You are bringing back uh, Drake Stoops. You're bringing back, um, you're bringing in several, you know, two offensive linemen to replace Harrison and Murray 
and Wanye Morris, you're bringing in Walter Rouse and Caleb Schaefer to be big parts of that offensive line. So that factor is in as well into the re- returning production. He's factoring in the transfer portal additions to help replace those guys. I mean, with Walter Rouse, you're getting more than 2,500 snaps, you know, 30 what was it 39 starts. I think it was uh, at the collegiate level, huge amount of experience. And then same with Caleb Schaefer, four years of starting experience at left guard that, that adds a, a, an ability for you to not have much of a drop off um, going into 2023. And then you bring back Javante Barnes as well. So the offense, it looks fairly stable. Yeah. The loss of Marvin Mims, it hurts you, but at the same time, like I feel like his production can be replaceable. If you find a guy that can be that deep threat, because so much of his yardage came on these big plays, you know, in the passing game, whereas it wasn't a lot of like, you know, I'm averaging 12 yards per reception and I've got 80 catches for, you know, 1200 yards or whatever he, you know, a good, again, a great season, his best season as a sooner, but still it was not as good as it could have been because of the drops because of some of the Dylan Gabriel overthrows. So there's a, there's a way to replace his production that, that you're not necessarily losing out. And I really, again, I've said it, I'll say it again. I think Jalil Farouk has a big season for the Sooners this year. Well, and just looking at just the the general numbers of what the and this is the preseason to the preseason SP plus rankings, right? We're going to do this again before the the off season is over, but this is just the first rendition of what Bill Connolly's early SP plus uh, projection model the rankings look like. Which he'll be the first to tell you this is not necessarily a top twenty five, though. In some ways, John, at this point of the year, it is kind of a top twenty five right from a statistical standpoint and analytical standpoint. I know that once you get into, you know, five, six games being played, it's really more of, he would say, or argue a predictive model, right. For what, it, you know, is most likely to occur. So right now though, pre- predictive model says Oklahoma 14th nationally and second in the big 12. And one of the interesting things about it, offense, I think you mentioned it, uh, you know, the, obviously 14th overall ninth offensively and 36th defensively. So just looking, just, you know, bare bones at that ninth offensively 36th defensively, John, what does that tell me? Well, it tells me as we've discussed the transfer portal additions off a defense that wasn't good. SP plus likes the additions that Oklahoma's brought in, but it also tells me this. It tells me there's room to grow. I mean, 36. Okay. That's, that's upper third nationally out of 133 teams. But, man, that's, you know, I mean, that's not top 25 defensively yet. So, hypothetically, theoretically, if you're good, then all of a sudden this SP Plus ranking can can really skyrocket if you show that you're much better than even anticipated there defensively. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think and I'm, I was trying to look for where they ranked defensively um, at the end of last year. But 36 is going to be a far better unit if that ends up translating to the regular season than they were a year ago. And will they be at the number 36 defense in the country? No, maybe not, but they don't have to be. They just got to be somewhere in the top 60, in my opinion, to be one of the better teams in the big 12 and one of the better teams in the nation. I mean, the TCU defense, it wasn't that good just on a whole statistical outlook, but they made the national championship game. So Oklahoma's defense doesn't have to be a top 10 unit. Would I, I mean, come, please be a top 10 unit. I 100% support this. But they don't have to be for the Oklahoma Sooners to become 
one of the better teams in the Big 12, contend for a Big 12 championship, and then potentially contend for a college football playoff berth. And and I think that's why there's a little bit of optimism and excitement for the Sooners because all of these transfer portal additions, your recruiting class, where you do have a few guys that could make impacts in year one, all of it coming together just raises the talent ceiling for the Sooners and raises the talent floor for the Sooners as well. A year ago, we liked the additions of Jeffrey Johnson. We liked the addition of Jonah Lula, uh, TD Roof. This year feels different, though. This year feels like the, the guys that they added aren't just rotational pieces, aren't just you know potential backup players that are going to see snaps. Like These are frontline dudes that have NFL futures, you know, especially guys like McCullough and Rondell Bothroyd. Uh, Reggie Pearson, at worst, will be a special teams player in the NFL just because of the way he flies to the football. So you've got, a, you've got quite a few dudes that Brent Venables and company brought in on defense. They're going to be significant players for Oklahoma and making plays, and I think that's going to translate really well to Saturdays. That's going to make this defense look so much better than it was a year ago. Well, and you did that, John, and you also, I mean, no slight to the 2022 signing class here, but there wasn't Peyton Bowen and PJ Adabare, right, in the 22 signing class. And, oh, by the way, you had a Derek LeBlanc, too. So just even the signees that Oklahoma's bringing in, there's legitimate defensive optimism that those guys could step right in and be contributors. And honestly, outside of the fact that just they're true freshmen, John, is that really going to be that surprising if that happens? No, according to the recruiting rankings, it, it won't be. By the way, just to touch all bases here and slide into home plate, 70th in defensive SP plus post bowl rankings is where Oklahoma finished last year. They were 10th offensively, 70th defensively. So what? That's like they've <laughs> split the difference. I mean, they're you know halfway home from where they were. Yeah, and if they can do that, if they can make that significant of a jump. Yeah, they'll be right there in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, so quickly, it was Texas, Oklahoma, then TCU, uh, and then it was Kansas State, who's going to be bringing back Will Howard, but losing Deuce Vaughn. And then a surprise for me was Oklahoma State uh, and how well they ranked. And their offense was number 24, their defense number 59. But I'm like, how? But we'll see. Uh, and then Texas Tech at number six, Baylor at number seven, UCF at number eight, Cincinnati number nine, Iowa State at number 10, largely because of their defense, and West Virginia 11, Houston number 12, Kansas 13, and BYU 14. So interestingly there, Kansas is returning the second most production nationally, and yet they only rated 13th in the Big 12 in SP Plus rating. Again, some of it's recruiting some of its transfer portal additions and some of its recent history of success. So Kansas could be a team that surprises a lot of people at the moment. The SP plus, you know, projections don't believe that's going to be the case, but again, just projections. Uh, anything else you want to touch on Josh, before we move on just quickly on Kansas, they've got all that returning production, but SP plus hates its defense. I think it's 97th nationally defensively. And Oh, by the way, Kansas like Oklahoma, not good on that side of the football and didn't go out and bolster it with the type of signing class that OU did and all these transfer portal additions that Oklahoma did. So <laughs> SP plus is looking at it and saying, yeah, we don't think you're going to be much different than you were a year ago. 
And then coming up next, Oklahoma men and women both got huge wins on the hardwood. We're going to break that down after I talk to y'all about Built Bar, which is the best protein bar ever. Tastes great. It's great for you. 100% covered in chocolate. And they got so many great flavors like peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, coconut brownie chunk, and cookie dough flavors. They've got marshmallow flavors. If you have a marshmallow, you know, love and joy, go get the Built Puffs. They're fantastic as well. Again, great flavors over there. My favorite is the peanut butter brownie. I've been talking about that one for years at this point. I love that. And it hits home every single time. They've also got fantastic granola bars as well that I love, my wife loves, my kids love. Like everybody, we all eat Built Bar in our house. So go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKS15. Get 15% off your next order over at Built.com. So Josh, Let's start with the men because they pulled off the big upset over number 12, Kansas state to give their NCAA tournament hopes like a little blip. You know, if you're looking at the EKG, this is just like a little blip on their, on their lifeline there. Uh, We'll see. I mean, they've got a tough stretch ahead of them to finish out regular season, but man, if they can, they can play like that and they can pick up, you know, two or three more wins uh, to finish out the season. It's going to be a tough discussion that the committee is going to have. Well, that's really just the beauty of the Big 12 is, yes, and I feel like we've said that and shared that. Now, keep in mind, Oklahoma, yes, they're in the cellar of the Big 12 conference. They're just 3-10 and 10 in the league. They're 13-13 and 13 overall. So, bottom line, John, they, they, they've got to win games coming down the stretch. And probably they've got, what, five left in the regular season. They probably need a, a minimum three of those five and then maybe a couple of games once you get into the big 12 tournament to really lock yourself in. But because of the strength, like we've said of the big 12 conference, if you can just start winning games again, you're going to have a chance. The the net ranking, where is Oklahoma at in the net rankings? I want to say that Oklahoma's mid sixties, which, you know, that's not great, but it's not all bad, John. I mean, that means that, you know, upward trajectory, it, three, four wins, five wins the rest of the way over the type of schedule that you're going to see. And Oklahoma, they're 65th in the, in the net rankings. And that could change drastically by winning some of these games, just coming down the home stretch. So you're right. I mean, little, little pulse. Uh, I, I need to see that they can actually follow up one good performance with another good performance. But uh, it's nice to see like every time you think that this team is just bury them for dead and it's over and they've quit. Lo and behold, they have a performance like that. I, I guess, you know, really it's just this game in the Alabama game when you say, oh, they have a performance like that. But it, it's kind of felt that way the last two years that every time we're ready to say, yep, uh, take the ball, go home, it's over. Then all of a sudden, oh, you will pull this rabbit out of its hat. <laughs> you know, it's just like they did in the Big 12 championship, the Big 12 tournament last year where they beat, uh, who did they beat? Uh, Baylor and then lost to yep. Texas Tech, I think. So, you know, it's uh, it's a curious program right now to try and try and figure out. The simple answer would be they shot it well, John. You shoot fifty percent plus from three, like they did versus Alabama. But uh, again, I just continue to be sort of amazed that they can be so extraordinarily bad and then beat a team like Kansas State. It's puzzling. And it comes down to shooting, especially from three, because this team wants to shoot threes. They want to put up twenty or more threes in a game when they're not hitting it looks really bad. Like this team gets blown out, but when you shoot 47% or you shoot 50%, you're going to be in games or you're going to have a chance to win games. And you know, they, they locked down defensively too. I mean, they held Kansas state in check and that's going to be the thing. Like, can they put it all together? And part of me wonders, and I, 
I hate to speculate on this, but I'm going to because we're here. We're on a podcast. We're having fun. But how much did their performance tie into Porter Moser's adamant denial of the Notre Dame job? I mean, I feel like the 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 play dropped off just when those rumors started to hit on social media. Coincidence? Probably. Probably. But they had a uncharacteristic game based on what we'd seen after the Alabama game. I mean, this team had gotten just blown out, blown out in three of their, you know, four games after Bama. And it just did not look good. And then they look great here against Kansas state. And can they put some things together? They're going to have another huge test against Texas on Saturday where it's like, okay, if you go in and you beat Texas and you pick up a win over the number six team in the country, then things get real. Like things get actually serious on that whole tournament talk. But for now, I mean, it's kind of like a hope, you know, a sliver of hope there uh, for the Sooners. I mean, they had four players in double figures against Kansas state led by Grant Sherfield with 22 uh, Tanner Groves. He had a better game than what he's had in, in recent weeks with 16 uh, and six. And then Jalen Hill, again, found his efficiency again, 12 points, seven rebounds. And then Milo Suzan, the guy that we've been kind of calling for to be a little bit more aggressive. He was three of five from three, had 13 points, uh, five of eight from the field. So like if they can get that kind of a performance out of Milo Suzan, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off of Grant Sherfield uh, to be the guy that has to score every bucket. It reminds me a little bit of you know the end of Austin Reeves' career where it was like unless Austin Reeves was filling up you know, the box score, you didn't really have much else going on for you. It kind of feels like what it's been for Grant Sherfield at times. And it's like, if he's playing great, you got a chance. If he's not, then you're kind of sunk. Well, if you can get Miles who's on really playing aggressively and playing well, like he did against Kansas state, then you're going to have a really good shot at, at winning some of these games down the stretch. How about uh, a little steamrolling for the Oklahoma women's basketball team? My goodness. Sweep. Little sweep of Texas Tech, 84-57. And a surprising face, Aubrey Jones leads the team with 23 points and 11 rebounds. I mean, you tell me, uh, surprising, right? Yeah, I mean, surprising in that she was able to lead the team. I mean, it's the second highest point total of her career. You got to go back to December of 2021 to find her career high against Longwood of all teams. I don't even know where Longwood is. I couldn't tell you, but yeah, a fantastic performance from her, but she got to play a lot because Oklahoma jumped out to a 12, nothing lead uh, off the, the hot shooting of uh, Anna Yanusa and uh, Liz Scott. I mean, Anna Yanusa comes in and buries two threes to open the game and then hits Liz Scott for a couple of uh, layups, has a couple steals. I mean, she was fantastic in the opening minutes of the game and that was it. Like Oklahoma led the entire way. They were up by 28 at one point in this game. So just an absolutely dominating performance. And this is what they've been doing against some of the bottom rung teams in the conference is absolutely obliterating them. Looking a lot like Oklahoma softball, right? If you could run rule somebody in basketball, that's pretty much what this was. And they've been in their five game win streak. They've won by an average margin of 18 points per game, 18 points per game just absolutely steamrolling teams. And I mean, the closest one they had was the Baylor win. And that was a seven point win. So you're, I mean, this team is hitting on all cylinders. They're the number two scoring team in the country right now. And again, four players in double figures and your starters didn't have to play a whole lot. 
So that's fantastic for them before they get ready for, you know, a, a big matchup this, uh, or their next big matchup, which is on uh, Sunday, I believe next week uh, or not Sunday. They got Saturday against Kansas who they've beaten already was ranked earlier in the season. And then they get a week to prepare for Texas again for what could be uh, a f- basically the, the deciding game in the uh, big 12 regular season title race, but Oklahoma now in first place for the big 12 regular season title, but just a fantastic performance all the way around this team. I mean, you're going to have a hard time scoring with them. If, if they're hot, nobody can keep up. And that's, that's going to be really, really fun to watch down the stretch in the big 12 tournament and in the NCAA tournament in the latest bracketology over at ESPN, they were a five seed just kind of right on the, right on the bubble of getting that four seed. Texas was a four seed. Uh, so if you're going to, if, if they can do a little bit more damage down the stretch and make some more impressions, potentially they get a four seed and, and actually get to host uh, the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament, Josh. Well, I, I think they got a great chance to do that. Obviously take care of business this, uh, this coming Sunday afternoon, which for folks out there watching ESPN plus game. So if you're, you're wanting, this is a big one for Oklahoma. This is look, you know, Texas, you're tied in the big 12 standings with, but this to me feels like I don't want to say a trap game because you know Kansas is good and you beat them I think uh, 80 to 74 earlier this season were seriously seriously tested by the Jayhawks but it's a trap game in the sense that you've got Texas right behind it and right now you're notched up in the standings with the Longhorns so this is an important game versus a good team in Lawrence coming up on Sunday afternoon it's a huge game for Oklahoma take care of business here that's another high uh, either quad one or quad two win I, I would imagine it's a quad one win for Oklahoma if they go into Lawrence and pick up uh, that victory over Kansas but uh, get that one there then Texas at home what it means for the Big 12 standings and again getting into the net rankings and the quad one quad two all that sort of stuff it's my understanding that probably both of those would be quad one wins John and when we start talking seeding not just winning the Big 12 you know regular season title and setting yourself up to be the one seed to go through a Big 12 tournament run Man, you pick up those two wins and then just don't stub your toe in the last two versus Kansas State and Oklahoma State. I don't think there's any way if Oklahoma wins these final four and wins the Big 12 regular season title, to me, there's no way they're not a top four seed, regardless of what they do at the Phillips 66 Big 12 championship. And I tend to agree. I think even if you do drop the game to Texas, they have a strong resume to be a top four team in whatever region they get put in because they've just been so good and so good offensively that they'll have a chance. If you play that Texas game close and you, and you lose, I still think you have a really strong um, resume for being a four seed at least. But if you do win out and you're able to do some damage in the big 12 tournament and maybe even win the big 12 tournament title, you might even get higher than that. I mean, they're 21 and four. 11 and three in the conference. Like they're playing really, really good basketball right now. And again, just hitting on all cylinders offensively and finding more and more people to contribute to, to the box score, just filling up the box score. But they're, they're a team that generally is going to have four players in double figures, sometimes five and maybe even more, but they're starting to show that they're a really deep roster and they're going to need that coming down the stretch. So, uh, 
But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being part of the show. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Go check it out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef. Also here on Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams, and you can read my work covering the Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnSooners. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.